Welcome to Data Brew by Databricks with Danny and Brooke. This series allows us to explore various topics in the data and AI community, and this season we're talking all about the hotness of LLMs. So whether we're talking about to data engineering or data science, we're going to be interviewing the various subject matter experts to dive deeper into these topics. So my name is Denny Lee. I'm a developer advocate at Databricks and one half of Databrew. And hello, my name is Brooke Wenig, Director of Machine Learning Practice at Databricks and the other half of Databrew. And today I'm thrilled to introduce our actual first repeat guest on Databrew, Yaron Singer, CEO of Robust Intelligence. Welcome again, Yaron. Hey guys, great being here again. Thanks for having me. So for folks who hadn't listened to the prior season on Databrew uh, with your interview, how about just a quick introduction for what is Robust Intelligence? Sure. Um, so uh, Robust Intelligence helps organizations uh, prevent AI risk. Uh, we do this through a process of uh, continuous validation where we uh, continuously test models um, you know, and validate them against these risks. Uh, we do that offline in real time. Very cool. So right now with all of the hype about LLMs, everybody's talking about risk with LLMs and AI more broadly. Can you help dispel what is AI risk and what are some of the things that you're doing to help mitigate AI risk? Sure. Um, so, so basically, um, you know, AI risk is, is essentially the, the sort of the set of um, kind of bad outcomes, right, uh, that can arise when, uh, when organizations adopt AI, right? So, um, you know, so right now, like uh, even before the time of, uh, before the time of generative AI or kind of like this explosion in LMs, right, uh, when, or, when an organization was adopting AI, it's like uh, it found itself adopting a lot of AI risk. Right. So um, basically, um, you know, if you're thinking about an enterprise that has like, you know, maybe tens of you know, AI teams spread across the globe. Right. Now, these AI teams are running different models that they're taking, you know, from that they're downloading from, you know, from different sources from from the Web. Uh, there could be uh, various kind of like uh, security issues with uh, kind of the model files. There could be uh, they could be prone to like data poisoning. Uh, they could be uh, prone to, you know, like kind of just adware or malware, just, you know, like all these sort of things that could be hiding inside, uh, you know, inside the, you know, the model files, uh, inside the, you know, the data. Right. Um, they're exposed in that way. Um, a different set of uh, kind of like risks that involves, and, and that's now uh, something that is getting a lot more attention, is everything that has to happen, you know, that is um, related to ethical risks, right? So um, right now, you know, before I think kind of where we're kind of maybe, you know, up until a few years ago, we're using kind of like AI without, you know, really thinking about all the ethical considerations without thinking about like kind of the, you know, the downstream consequences, you know, that, you know, the biases uh, that these models can have, right? So, you know, another another set of risks is like, what are the risks that are involved when we're using, uh, you know, using models that could be making biased predictions? And then I think kind of the third one, and that that, that is the one that uh, people have been, you know, noticing and seeing is uh, basically the operational risks. So, um, you know, what are the what are the uh, if I'm now using models for making critical decisions for my organization, maybe they're kind of critical financial decisions or um, or others, right? Um, the fact that models can fail, you know, due to kind of like data sanitization or um, just sort of like models not being properly trained, right? Um, and the fact that they can have like these sort of catastrophic failures, those are kind of all elements of risk. So. Um, Really, kind of when an organization is thinking about adopting AI, it should be thinking about three types of risk, right? So it's the security risk, the ethical risks, and the um, you know, and these um, and the operational risks, and uh, they should be thinking about what are the ways in which they can you know mitigate against these risks. Perfect, and I think this is a good segue. Let's 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 sort of break that down. 
Uh, I, I'm I'm going to start with the uh, the ethical or bias risk just because that just happened and <laughs> ping me right away. Can you provide some examples, like more details, like to let the audience sort of understand a little bit better, like what do we mean by ethical or bias risk? I mean, we've t we've covered from more of a broader concept. Let's let's provide some actual details because, and then for that matter, what we, can we do actually about it? Yeah. So so let's think about you know sort of you know use cases that we think of you know as simple use cases. So if you're thinking about you know uh, maybe now you're um, you're you're using models to uh, give you know um, you know uh, to sort of decide on uh, decide on loans or decide on um, on jobs you know kind of which jobs to allocate to people or you know, these the kind of like various aspects. So the fact that your you know your model is using you know AI is is using statistical learning and it's reliant on you know, data that's uh, that it's been using in the past. Even if people have developed this model, like with the best intentions in mind, right? If they haven't sort of taken the appropriate measures, it may well be that that model is making bias predictions. It may 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 well be that that model is using uh, features, right, uh, in the data um, that um, that we do not want the model to use, right, in order to make that decision, right? Um, those are kind of like the kind of like simple, you know, kind of obvious use cases, right? Um, so you can think of, for example, like a model that's trying to decide on, um, you know, if, uh, if you're thinking of a model that's uh, kind of trying to decide on, uh, on um, you know, on, on loan applications, right? And maybe now, now that model can be, uh, you know, using features that are related to kind of the geography of where people are coming from, right? And maybe those are, th are things that, you know, that, um, that we're not intending for the model to do, but um, but they may well be doing that. So that's one kind of like, you know, sort of like very simple, trivial kind of, um, you know, kind of like bias that you can find in models. And then related to that, I guess, is that, so you've described the bias, the nature of the, the these models could be biased, even with the best intentions. From the perspective of then, what can we do about it? Like, what are mechanisms? Because this will eventually lead us back to talking about just generative AI models in general. Like, but then, and I'm not asking everybody to go like you know fine tune or build their own million dollar LLM or anything like that. But the context is what, what can we do right now? Like, whether it's an open source aspect or even from a like a service aspect. I'm not trying to bias one or the other, but I'm just curious from that context. Yeah. So, so first of all, like, um, what's interesting is, you know, since we since we spoke, I think uh, maybe two years ago, um, there are now um, there are now uh, set regulations and, and guidelines on on what people should do when, um, um, you know, when when using when using AI in production. And one good set of guidelines that uh, that we're seeing companies follow is the NIST uh, uh, AI risk framework. Um, but basically, um, what people should do is again going back to uh, the first uh, kind of like the, our you know like our podcast for maybe like two years ago is uh, the first thing that people should be doing is they should be testing their models and data, right? They should be uh, testing their models and data for uh, you know for for various aspects of potential bias and and um, you know and 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 ethical kind of uh, you know risks, right? Um, so for example, like um, one should test the data whether there's a, whether it's whether the model whether the data itself uh, is biased when maybe there's sort of uh, sub, you know populations that are subsampled you know significantly in the data in a way that can affect the model's performance right one needs to test the model to sort of see whether the performance of the model varies on subpopulations right it could be that like you know have a model that's like performing really well on you know males from like ages like 18 to 24 but like other categories it could be performing uh, you know subpar. Um, one needs to make sure that the model is not using protected features, right? Um, so if there if there are a set of features that you know explicitly don't want the model to use, 
we need to validate that the model indeed is not using those features. Um, we need to you know, test uh, whether to see whether there are correlations between features in the, in, in the data itself. So for example, maybe I'm, uh, my model is not using a protected feature, but maybe there's another feature that is highly correlated with that, you know, with, with, that, with that feature that is protected and we don't want the model to use, and the model is using that other feature that's correlated with it, which essentially means that it's, you know, in fact, actually using uh, you know, the, the protective feature. So these are all just sort of examples of, of things that we have to test and validate right, um, before we send models in production. So the first thing is you know, we, we, wanna, we wanna kind of be aware right, of, of the potential you know, risks that are involved with uh, you know, using the model. And so you talked about two other risks, uh, security and operational. I'd love to hear a bit more about security first and then operational after that. Yeah, so, so I think, um, you know, I think with uh, honestly the operational one, uh, and you know, which we'll talk about later, but but that is one that we're I think kind of is um, is is more familiar to people, right? Um, I think that a lot of people that have run uh, you know AI models in production have felt the pain of of you know having these models not work, you know, or not work as as expected, and, and you know, in some cases have catastrophic failures, right? Um, so so the operational risks, I think uh, those are. Um, those are things that uh, that the community is, is, is known about, I think, for you know for some time, but um, but but you're right that I think kind of the the security risks are, are things that are you know um, these are um, the, these are these are risks that are I think now getting a lot of attention, right? Um, so uh, the security risks are you know some of them you know involve kind of more kind of like bread and butter uh, security risks that that we know from. Um, you know, that we know from cybersecurity, but then they sort of take this sort of, you know, the, the, the flavor of, um, of new risks, uh, new vulnerabilities that are, you know, specific to ML, all the way to, uh, you know, vulnerabilities that are ML, specific, you know, that are ML only. So um, the more bread and butter are kind of the security risks that come with uh, software supply chain. So one example is um, when we're looking at the actual files, you know, that we're using uh, to store models like Pickle or, you know, PyTorch or these file formats, um, you know, they actually, you know, they, they allow for like very potent things. Specifically, you can uh, basically include executable code inside these files. So um, basically anybody who's using, uh, using file, you know, using model files directly, Pickle files, uh, you know, PyTorch, all these other formats, um, they're essentially exposing themselves and the organization that they're in to all this, you know, potentially malware and executable code, not to, due to their fault, but just because that's what there is, right? Now, um, a lot of the models that we're using, they're, um, you know, they're using a lot of a lot of open source libraries. They're using a lot of, you know, they're relying on other models, right? And somewhere in the supply chain, which is very very complex supply chain, we can, you know, basically be exposed to. Um, Various aspects of kind of malware, uh, software, you know, just you know, traditional software vulnerabilities, um, you know, these the, the sort of like executable code, all these all these aspects that we should be paying attention to. So that's been something that hasn't, I think, um, that hasn't received a lot of attention uh, in uh, you know in the past, but now I think is is getting a lot of attention. So that's kind of one aspect, and that's that's an aspect that is more familiar to. Um, you know, these types of risks are more familiar to the cybersecurity community. Um, the other types of security risks that we're seeing are um, risks that come with data poisoning. Um, so there are now very sophisticated ways in which people can basically uh, poison the data. And what that means is it means that um, you can manipulate the you know, uh, training data in such a way 
that allows to kind of control for the model, um, the model behavior and the model output. Um, so, so these are kind of like big, big kind of security threats that you know that we're seeing that people need to be taking care of. Uh, we're seeing things like information leakage. We're seeing um, uh, there are kind of security risks that have that involve with uh, you know adversarial attacks, uh, kind of uh, prompt injection attacks when we're talking about generative models. So all these sort of like new risks that are you know that are being surfaced that are now specific to AI. Got it. And so with issues like the executable files within like very standard model formats like Pickle, Torch, etc., what can you do about that? Yeah. So. Um, so, so what you can do is um, you can basically, uh, and, and then, well, um, you need to scan for these files, and you need to um, basically create create an architecture that um, you know that allows you to uh, to scan these files safely in a safe environment, uh, and uh, validate that uh, that they, that they don't have uh, kind of malware or they're not you know kind of like introducing any any new new types of risk, right? Um, and you know, and that's you know something that you know we are we're actively doing. So okay. A lot of work that needs to go into the security aspect, and I think that's top of mind for a lot of organizations, especially with a lot of the news these days, especially when people are using free tiers of products, putting in their company's corporate data into it, some data leakage happening, not saying names, um, but I think security is definitely top of mind for any organization. I, I think so. And I think that like, you know, I think that um, I think, you know, from what we've seen, I think we've seen that um, in, in a lot of enterprises, there there hasn't been like a strong connection between, you know, um, security leadership and data science leadership. They're sort of kind of thought of as kind of like, uh, you know, separate organizations kind of like um, and um, and then there hasn't been kind of like a lot of um, sort of. Um, I think kind of um, integration, like to, to sort of like collaboratively f the, think about the, the sort of the types of risks that you know they're specific to uh, you know to kind of like AI. So I think traditionally, kind of like uh, we've seen kind of like uh, uh, data science going with like standard software uh, security uh, checks. Sometimes, sometimes not even that, right? Um, but um, but obviously that's that's not enough. Got it. Um, and then can we talk a little bit more about the organizational side of things? Uh, what are some of the risks there? Yeah, so I think from um, there it's like a, um, we're, we're talking about basically um, things that can where where one can um, you know um, kind of create these sort of catastrophical you know uh, behavior of models right um, due to um, you know just sort of uh, you know kind of issues with you know processing data or issues with uh, Kind of like uh, the ways that kind of like models have, have been trained and, and, and things like that, right? So, um, you know, a trivial example that I always uh, like to use, but one that you know um, that is very relevant is um, you know testing for you know the robustness of the model for something like um, missing feature, right? So there's no you know ill intent behind uh, you know somebody putting a missing feature in a data point, uh, or you know there's no uh, you know there you know there it's it's not necessarily um, you know. Maybe uh, bias or you know introduce like ethical risk, but a lot of times that can uh, completely um, you know cause you know um, basically cause the model to uh, just to, to not work altogether, right? Um, and uh, when when models don't have that basic uh, sensitization or kind of like basic um, you know these basic kind of guardrails or uh, to protect them from you know from something like a missing feature that can uh, that can lead to the model uh, just um, you know every now and then just having these sort of like kind of you know, serious failures. 
I think we need a redrawn diagram of that 2015 paper from Google about where the time investment is going into ML because it's so much more complex now. Because uh, it's not just missing features, uh, data types for the features. I, I think so. And I think that like, you know, and, and, and honestly, like, uh, that's kind of understandable, right? Because like, um, when we're thinking about developing ML models, then uh, the way that we develop them is, um, you know, we, we really sanitize the data, right? Um, we, we make sure that it's uh, pristine and, you know, we're optimizing for kind of like uh, model performance and accuracy and these types of things. I mean, and, and, and we should, right? Because like, there's so many other things to be keeping track of, right? Um, so when typically when, when we, you know, um, when we feel like, okay, we're done working with the model, then, you know, then there are all these other aspects, you know, that, that, we're, you know, that we're not thinking about. Um, but but yeah, but those that, the, but those, but those are exactly the aspects that kind of like you know end up uh, introducing risk into you know uh, into the the process. So one thing I want to go backwards a little bit because you did mention it. I do think we want to cover this topic a little bit more. Data poisoning. So like obviously, I think we can everybody comply you know from the podcast here that like okay, that's obviously putting faulty data inside the system to basically mess up the model, force the model in a particular direction, things of that nature. Are there things we can do to go ahead and circumvent or fight back on um, data poisoning? Or is this all just going to be very much one of those scenarios where, no, we have to know exactly what the data source is? I'm just curious. Yeah, great question. Um, so, yes, there are, you know, there, there are, um, yes, uh, there, there, are, there are things that we, that we can do. Um, so, um, you know, recently, um, you know, um, we had people from, you know, from here and, you know, in collaboration, there's like a you know, beautiful collaboration with, uh, um, with folks from, uh, you know, from also from, you know, from, from Google and, and, uh, uh, and, and uh, some, some other companies uh, on, on data poisoning and showing kind of like very, very powerful uh, data poisoning attacks that, you know, um, that, that can and may, may be happening in the wild. Um, so, um, and, you know, so, so basically, um, yes, uh, you know, like um, when you, when you, when you, when you look inside these attacks, then, you know, you sort of see kind of, um, well, one, we don't want to kind of get into the technical details of these, but, um, but there's, there's actually, you know, uh, what you need to do is you need to sort of like run these tests against, uh, against these, these types of things. So you can actually, you know, there's like kind of label flipping and, and, um, and then all these, uh, uh, and all these sort of techniques, and uh, you can actually, you know, there, there are a set of algorithms that you can that you can use that can help you um, mitigate against those risks. So some of it is like is, is to know that okay, these are you know um, the trivial the, the trivial cases of data, you know, kind of like finding against data poisoning is to basically kind of like um, black label uh, data sources that where you know where we have evidence where um, data poisoning has come from. That's one. But, um, you know, but a more thorough approach is not only to sort of, um, you know, black label but them, but is actually we can actually look at the data itself and there are techniques that, by, you know, that we can look at the data itself and sort of see evidence of data poisoning. And then we can, you know, we can test for that and we can mitigate that. Do you feel then, like, for, for things like this, like, we should actually develop, like, I'm not sure if this is right within the context of, the, like, the generalized AI risk, but it almost implies that there should be, like, a leaderboard or a board of some type that sort of clarifies that here are the models and here's like what the what's considered good model a good source like less biased things of that nature and i'm just curious like does the current ai risk regulations help with that or is this something that we right now really need to start building basically so so yeah i mean like actually we we have a rust intelligence have uh you know like um we 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 uh we started that effort um with with creating such a leaderboard we scanned um um, I think 170,000 models uh, from Hugging Faces and other and other uh, data repositories, uh, and um, and then use kind of like the you know uh, our product to 
automate uh, testing uh, for those so that we can actually test for, you know, for, for that risk. So, um, yeah, so, so there, there is a, you know, first of all, there, there is, there's a, that database uh, that people can use. Uh, uh, I think uh, so. You can um, you, you can you can go to that. Um, you can you, you can go to you can go robust intelligence, and you can you can find uh, 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 links to, you know, to that database that we're actually now kind of like also democratizing across the community. So yes, absolutely. There, you know, this is actually exactly what we think as well. There, there, we exactly need to have kind of like a leaderboard and uh, and. Um, and then, you know, some, some sort of like kind of, you know, database that, that tells us about like the risks of models that we're using. That's really good to hear, by the way. Yes. So, um, and if, if people are wondering, no, I was not, this was not a setup. I just, yeah, I was generally asking the question and, re and re realized, oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> we were, that, that's exactly, you know, we were like, how is this, uh, we, you know, when, when, you know as, as we were looking into all this, we're like, you know, how does this thing like, like not exist? And, you know, we're talking to like, the, you know, these different agencies and all this. And we're like, you know what, let's just, you know, we'll, we'll just, let's just, let's just do it, you know, ourselves and just put something out there so that, you know, so we can, you know, we, we can start, right? Um, so that, that was kind of the, that, that, that was kind of the, you know, the, the idea, right? Because it just felt like, um, it, you know, it had just, you know, it just has to exist. You know, we, we can, you know, we can do it. That's a super helpful resource. Uh, just checked it out, AIRisk.io, in case anybody wants to check out the uh, risk database that Robust Intelligence released. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. So going back to those three pillars of risks you talked about, security, ethical, and operational, like those apply to classical machine learning models as well as generative AI and LLMs. Uh, so like, what are some of the difficulties when you're applying it to generative AI or to LLMs that make it even more difficult? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think um, I think with um, so um, I think with LLMs we're sort of seeing a you know kind of like new new sets of new sets of challenges um, you know across the board. Um, so first of all, like uh, the surface area you know is, is is much is much bigger. I think when when we're talking about LLMs, right? So we're you know it's um, you know if, if we're thinking about uh, risk of, of uh, you know, kind of quote unquote, like, uh, you know, standard models or non-LM non models, they're typically kind of used in, um, um, you know, kind of like um, they're, you know, they're, um, they're sending out a model server, you know, there's a kind of like a model, model, model registry, data repository, these things. Um, now with LLMs, um, they're, uh, they're widely used, right? Um, and, uh, and they touch like kind of different, different parts of the product, right? Uh, and, and, you know, in, in various ways. And now the so you know so the this, the surface area is just you know much much larger right so now it's like um, you know we can have um, you know people can you know we can find information leakage you know through through the browser that could happen by you know kind of like uh, all these things and now we also have to remember like again with the surface area is that it's not only machine learning experts or data scientists who are using these models right it's now when we, when we have LLMs you know and now and I'm and I'm using that in my organization well everybody now has access to uh, you know, you know, either either my customers, you know, that have access to, you know, to, uh, you know, to the LLM, and they can, you know, directly, uh, you know, put in prompts, and uh, and my own people have, uh, you know, uh, can, you know, can uh, can put in prompts, um, and um, and as that happens, there's, you know, there's opportunity for kind of like information leakage that that, that happens, and sort of, you know, uh, potential, you know, manipulation uh, of of the models. So the, the the surface area I think issue is is a big one. Um, the other one is uh, is basically the um, um, and I, I think this is like there, there are two other I think kind of critical ones. The two other critical ones are that um, 
the right now the way that we're using LLMs when we're looking at things like uh, plugins and things like that, um, we're no longer using LLMs in a passive way, but we're now taking actions with LLMs, right? So I can you know um, I can maybe um, go to uh, to a website and order like a, a plane ticket, right? Uh, and not only get a prediction and a response, right? So the fact that I can now take actions, what that means is it means that the risk is has that the consequences of risk I think are are much larger. Than, uh, than they used to be, right? Um, I think kind of like the, the third aspect uh, that I think is a, is, is, is a major one is the fact that we're using LLMs in software engineering, right? So if before, um, you know, we're thinking again of a model making predictions and, you know, and then there is risk in kind of like in the output of the predictions, right now we're basically the fact that there's AI risk with all the risks that we spoke about, Right now, basically, I'm introducing a lot of risk into my software engineering practices. Right, so now, like an adversarial attack on a machine learning model, right, can you know change the downstream behavior of you know of of a, of a software system. Right, it can change the you know the the lookup that I'm doing from a database if I'm now changing the way that I interact with databases through an LLM. So these kinds of uh, you know these kinds of things make LLMs I think uh, unique, or they sort of like introduce and exacerbate risk in ways that we haven't seen before. Got it. And curious to hear your thoughts on the future of how LLMs are going to change the way that we work, uh, particularly within tech in terms of like code development, data science work. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about the future of how LLMs will impact that. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I think that um, I think that they are are already changing the way that, you know, the, the way that people develop. So um, we're seeing um, we're seeing people seeing a lot of, um, you know, uh, kind of productivity gains uh, from incorporating uh, large language models or, you know, things like Copilot or, you know, kind of similar things um, in, in the in the software development process uh, in general. Right. Um, and um, and what that means is it means that now we're kind of like introducing a lot of um, a lot of code. You know, uh, into into our systems that we haven't written, right? Or, or, or it's not the people that we know uh, have written. Um, I think it's uh, so. I think it's going to have a transformational effect. I think uh, kind of it's it's going to you know like we're we're seeing kind of the effect with you know just standard coding, kind of creating architectures, uh, you know, for uh, for systems. Uh, we're seeing kind of uh, LLMs that are creating uh, helping create like kind of machine learning models in general, right? Uh, we're seeing uh, LLMs that. Uh, that help us with, uh, um, you know, with with um, you know getting access to you know to data and and, and basically all, all those things. So I, I think I think it's a transformational you know shift uh, in the way that you know software engineering is uh, is going to be performed for sure. So Yaron, this is super interesting. And one of the concepts I guess that in terms of like like team or procedures that. People have you've actually discussed in the past in this particular podcast in, in general was this idea of red teaming, like as a way to potentially organize teams to help fight these problems. I'm just curious, could you provide some context around that a little bit, please? Yeah. So, so in the I think kind of in the context of, uh, of LMs, right? Um, there, there's um, kind of uh, red teaming becomes ever more interesting, right? Um, because again, we have so many more. Uh, the surface area has grown, and the the consequences of risk, right, are, are larger, right. So there's so many more opportunities, right, uh, and, and things to do, right. There, you know. So if before, you know, like, so we look at this because, um, and we we feel like, you know, um, you know, kind of like children in a candy store, right, because. You know, we're like, uh, you know, before we had to attack models, it was it was kind of hard, right? Um, you you could only interact with the API through, uh, you know, um, 
uh, so you you're very restricted in the way that you can act, you know, interact with uh, with uh, with uh, with um, machine learning model API, and there were not a lot of machine learning models that where the API was so exposed. Um, but right now they're very exposed, and you can access them through you know various sources, right, uh, in various ways, um, and, you know, to kind of like attack them. And then you know, and as you do that, you can you can now kind of like um, you know create these sort of manipulations, right, um, and 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 find kind of like um, you know different different vulnerabilities, right. So uh, before, you know, we're sort of like limited to algorithmic attacks, right? But now we sort of like you have algorithmic attacks, but then you also have vulnerabilities inside uh, open source code that's used to uh, basically run applications, right, of LLMs, right? And there's there are a lot of vulnerabilities in you know in in uh, in, uh, in, in in that code um, that you can take advantage of, right? And then that effect, you know, then you can basically do algorithmic attacks to to kind of like you know to now manipulate. Um, um, manipulate kind of the consequences of, of what these models are doing. So um, I think there are. Um, this is red teaming heaven. Uh, and so, uh, so I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, yeah. I think I think I think it's a it's, it's a great time for people that have like an intellectual interest in uh, in vulnerabilities. So I'm I'm just curious. Does this also imply that part of the act of red teaming would actually be to generate their own models? To basically beat up on other models, in essence. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, and interestingly, like you know, we've um, so I, you know, um, just just a little bit about what's going on here. So, you know, initially, what, what we've done is what other people have done is sort of like um, standard kind of like trial and error, jailbreaking kind of uh, things to sort of see um, what what sort of thing you know how, you know what is, what sort of ways you can um, you can fool you know. Um, generative AI models like uh, ChatGPT and the likes, right? And you can also read the documentation and see kind of like identify, you know, kind of understand the, the vulnerabilities better and you, you play around with it and, you, you know, you sort of, you kind of have that process. Um, but, but the, you know, but the interesting thing is that you can actually develop algorithmic attacks, right? Where it's not, um, you, you don't have to have a human who's doing the sort of like kind of trial and error, but you now we can actually run a principal way of, um, of uh, developing efficient algorithms um, that that can you know create prompts that um, that generate um, that generate like um, um, bad bad output. Um, so so I think there's um, you know and uh, so again I think that there's 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 a big opportunity uh, in, um, in in you know red teaming, discovering vulnerabilities, and of course protecting vulnerabilities uh, when it comes to LLMs. So we've spent a lot of time talking about all the problems with trying to adopt AI, LLMs, etc. What do you see successful organizations doing? Of course, uh, using robust intelligence, but uh, in addition to that, what else are you seeing successful organizations doing? Success. Okay, that, that's a great question. Um, so successful organizations basically run a process. So um, what they do is they um, um, they. Um, they, they basically uh, develop or inherit um, um, a an, basically an AI risk management framework, right? To sort of you know, um, which involves basically kind of like mapping uh, where models are coming from, right, and where models will be coming from in the next you know six months to a year, right? Um, kind of are they you know are they like you know separating between models that are developed like in house, models that are you know like third party models that are being used, right? And uh, where those models are stored, how they're being handled, doing all that, right? Um, what that does is basically allows to sort of start thinking about um, guidelines and the procedures of you know how how an organization 
uh, you know, digest models, right? And and how and and what sort of uh, tests or what what kind of like validation framework they would you know they they need to adopt, you know, for you know to mitigate against these different kinds of risks, right? Um, they need to like understand like kind of what these models are being used for, right? And 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 uh, you know and and what sort of policies uh, you know they need. So I think that the first first and foremost is I think kind of um, starting to develop um, you know a concrete AI risk uh, mitigation policy, right? And then after that, I think it's um, obviously there's kind of internal training and, and adopting products, right, uh, that, that can help in those efforts. Yeah, I think data scientists in general need a lot more process and procedures. Um. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, and, and, and that's the, and, and, you know, there are obviously, you know, there's beauty in that, right? But but I think that's the, um, I think that that's the, the, the shift in the mindset that, you know, that we're going to see. I think that, like, um, I think that the data science community has, you know, is, is, is like kind of very open and, you know, like uh, reliant on open source and moves fast, right? And, um, and, and, and is very, um, and, and is, is always on the kind of like the, the latest and greatest, right? Um, and it's a, you know, it's, it's an amazing community and, you know, it's, you know, like uh, we're, we're looking at the accomplishment, you know, uh, in the, you know, in the past, I don't know, 10 years, it's like, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's remarkable, right? Um, but, um, but but I think now now times are you know like a, and you know but 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 with you know but, but with that there's also responsibility right so so now I think uh, um, somehow it feels like this is the uh, um, like I, I you know I, I think kind of like the, this introduction of generative AI and uh, and then kind of like this whole discussion about it has uh, has really kind of like I think gotten a lot of people to sort of like pause and really think about. Um, the way in which they're using AI, generative AI, and just AI in general, and, and, uh, and what they should be doing about that. Yeah, I think it's also entered a lot more household conversations as well, too, when people are testing out Ch uh, ChatGBT, seeing, um, creating songs in this, um, with their favorite artist's style, but with their own customized lyrics. It's, I think a lot of people are just having a bunch of fun with it, but now they're also starting to see some of the issues with it, and so it's I know I'm having these conversations with my family that I would not have had last year. Exactly, exactly, right? So, yeah, same same here. So, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us again on Data Brew Your Own. Uh, and if people are interested in working on these types of problems, Robust Intelligence is hiring if you check out their career site. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Great being here.